From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas's Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, by all means. Well, Ann Kim could have been making your Jimmy John sandwich, were it not for an insightful lawyer who said, this isn't for you. And lucky for us, because Ann is responsible for three beloved and truly original Twin Cities restaurants, Pizzeria Lola, Hello Pizza, and Young Joni. And she has a new concept on the way this spring. She's steadily building an empire without any of the traditional experience or training you might expect. And I can't wait to dive into how she does it. Hi, Ann. Hello. <laughs> thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Did we drag you out of the kitchen? Or like, where are you normally in the daytime? You know, people think that I'm sweating in a hot kitchen 12 hours a day, but that couldn't be further from the truth these days. It it used to be when I, when we first got started with Pizzeria Lola years ago. Um, But now it's, it's with three restaurants. It's nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. And it really does take a village. And for me now, it's less about being in the kitchen, but really about um, working on the business instead of in the business and really providing the resources for my team so they can do their best work. So, you know, it's, it's funny because people think, oh, you're a chef and you're a restaurateur and you're at these restaurants and cooking every day. And I think that's a bit of a misnomer mm-hmm. because I think in order to grow, you you can't be doing that. I mean, I'd, I'd be, I would have quit years ago if that were the case. So I had to kind of reset and kind of look at my job description very differently. And I have to look at it differently every year now as wow. we grow. So well, let's let's back up and go back to the beginning. Yeah, um, and it's kind of funny. I have to say that in here in our first season of By All Means, um, we you are actually our second pizza-focused interview. Oh, wow. Yes, I know. I mean, I don't know if it's my own personal problem. (laughs) I'm just, like, realizing this It's not a problem. Pizza's not not a problem. (laughs) It is not a problem. It's a very good thing, and we have a lot of good pizza um, here in the Twin Cities. But how did you know that it was your thing, and what did you you grow up thinking you wanted to do? Yeah, well, it definitely wasn't something I grew up thinking I wanted to do. You know, when I was young, I thought, oh, I want to be an artist or a teacher or a painter or something like that. Um, It really was something that I grew up, uh, I was surrounded by cooks. Mm -hmm. My mother was a great cook. My grandmother was a great cook. um, And they really cooked out of necessity because we immigrated to the country when I was four. And back in the late 70s, early 80s, you couldn't just go to the grocery store and buy kimchi off the shelf or gochujang. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you come right to Minnesota? Yes, we did. Why? How? Uh, My mother's youngest sister was married to an American man, and he was from Minnesota. And so that's where they settled. And he actually sponsored our family. Family. So we ultimately ended up where they were. So that's how we ended up in Minnesota. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it was really one of those things where it was my mother and grandmother um, cooked everything. Mm-hmm. And out of necessity, they made everything from scratch. Kimchi, mm-hmm. makjang, you know, we fermented our own tenjang, which is a version of miso. Um, I, you know, remember tending garden with my parents when they were um, every summer because 
we couldn't find the kinds of vegetables or herbs in the grocery store. So it was always a part of me, and it was something I've always enjoyed doing. And when I wasn't working, I was always cooking. Mm -hmm. And it really was... It was the res- during the recession, and I don't know if you know this or not, but I was an actor. I a do. I was going to ask about that. I was a yes. professional actor for about eight years. And Where? Where? What did you do? Uh, all over the place. I was a company member at the Children's Theater Company for three years. Mm-hmm. I've done shows at Mixed Blood Theater, and I've uh, toured with the Guthrie and Frank Theater and Theater Moo. And so, um, but amongst those things, as an actor, you have to do multiple other things in order to to support yourselves. Mm-hmm. It's not the most lucrative career. Um, and it got to the point where I lost the passion, the love for it, because I spent more of my time hustling for other jobs in order to support my love than actually working on the craft. Yeah. And, and did you yeah. work in restaurants? No, that that's the no. funny thing. You know, that's prior, so typical, yeah, right? It's You're typical. An actor think, who waits tables? Yeah. And you'd think prior to opening up a restaurant, you would have at least dabbled in it or, yes. you know, cooked. And I've never, my husband. Husband and I had never worked professionally in a restaurant, in the kitchen, or, or on the business side. Um, so that was a little odd. So what kind of jobs did you do? Um, a lot of teaching, uh, a lot of teaching artist things in schools. I did a lot of commercial, industrial uh, work that supported. Um, it was kind of fun. Uh-huh. Um, and so my parents always wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. And I said, well, I've played them on TV, <laughs> you know, or on corporate videos. Right. But so that supported sort of the theatrical part. Mm-hmm. But it was also hard acting here. I just felt like I didn't have any agency. So my future and the next gig that I got was always determined by someone else. And I never felt it was based on whatever talents I had, but, oh, you're not tall enough or you're too short or you're too Asian. And that's a true story, by the way. Too Asian. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? uh, Good question. (laughs) Uh, I did a a voiceover for or I did a radio spot for it was for Lian Chin restaurants. Mm -hmm. And it was they wanted me to be the voice of Lian Chin and sort of like an omnipresent voice. Okay. And yeah. And so they had me speak and it was they were trying to sell these bowls these I don't know they were doing meals in a bowl at one point and the gong would ring and I would say they'd say okay now you say put it in a bowl so someone would ask like hey do you think the gophers are going to make the championship and the gong would ring and I'd say put it in a bowl Mm -hmm. and they stopped me and said wait 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 could you maybe make it a little bit more (laughs) Asian-y And I thought, wow, I've hit an all-time low. (laughs) So, you know, because I guess they kind of, you know, I guess at the time, Leanne still had a bit of an accent. And so that was, you know, that was interesting and challenging. But it just, it really got to the point where it was like, what am I doing? Right. And you you didn't want to leave Minnesota? Um, you know, the the irony is I left New York and moved to Min- Minneapolis to pursue a theatrical career. Um, I went to school um, uh, at Columbia and uh, thought maybe I'd go to law school. And what did you major in? in English. College. Okay. Yeah. So I worked in a law firm for about a year and I, I realized, wow, this is not the lifestyle that I want. Mm-hmm. So I decided, you know what, I want to pursue a love of mine, which has always been the theater. 
And so I decided to get my headshots taken in New York, but rather than start a career in New York where I I knew I didn't want to be a struggling actor in a very expensive city, I moved back to Minneapolis because I knew the theater scene was thriving. I had friends that were actually making a living doing it and and actually supporting themselves. So that's how I ended up here. Got it. Okay. So so the grind is kind of getting to you. Mm -hmm. The passion is falling away. Mm -hmm. You're looking for the next thing. Yeah. How does that lead you to the rest? industry? Yeah. Well, it was really my husband that encouraged me. So again, it was around the recession. Um, He was in the financial industry. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a small hedge fund company. And you know that, you know, during the recession, things were just, things were not good. Mm -hmm. And uh, he ended up losing his job. And rather than cry over it, he thought, you know, this is an opportunity for me. So he was kind of soul searching too. And he realized that what he was doing for the majority of his life was like sucking... (laughs) the life out of him he really hated it Mm -hmm. he felt like there there was really no purpose but other than just like making money for people and I was at a point where I was like you know the same place and he said you know what you're a fantastic cook and every time you cook you light up Um, it brought me joy to bring friends over hospitality was in in me and my mother even though we grew up with very little money uh, she we never felt like we lacked when it came to food Mm -hmm. she always made sure that the pantries were stocked if someone came in she would set the table and all of a sudden you had this seven course meal and so she just he just said you know maybe you know I loosely talked about how you know I fantasized about wouldn't it be great to have a little restaurant someday and and but it was just a a fantasy. It was never a reality. And he mm-hmm. said, well, why couldn't we make this come true? And and I thought, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are dumber people doing it. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. It, yeah, you know, no, it's totally. like, you know, there are people that, you know, are, are doing it in their they're pretty successful. So if we put our brains together, maybe we could do something. Okay. And so then your first thought is Jimmy John's? No, that came, that was fear. Okay. Um, honestly, I thought, well, because I'd never worked in the industry, uh, what would be a, an easier point of entry? And I thought, well, a franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a franchise, a business plan is written. They tell you exactly how to do things, what's on the menu. Uh, this is what the PL is going to look like. So the script is written. Sure. You just go and you work hard. Practical. And, yeah, yeah, you perform. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, well, Jimmy John's, I ate there a lot when I worked downtown. <laughs> and it's like, it's I, yeah, I, yeah, I liked I, I liked their sandwiches. So I thought, okay, they're successful. And there we found out that one was for sale in Cottage Grove because at the time they were just – th- those opportunities didn't exist. And I thought, well, maybe we could do this. It seems safe. So we enlisted uh, – my brother-in-law is a lawyer and he said, well, I have a friend who's also a lawyer that specializes in these kind of contracts. Talk to him. So I met with him, and he asked me some questions. He said, well, well, why do you want to do this? And after I was done talking, he said, you know, you spent more time talking about this restaurant that you hope to open someday, that you envisioned in this neighborhood, um, and this passion that you have. So why don't you do that? Like, it, I don't I don't feel right. <laughs> He's guiding you down, talking yeah. you He's out. He's talking of... me out of it. Yes, uh-huh. the best lawyer ever. I yeah. mean, honestly, I mean, he could have just said, OK, you know, here's my fee. Let's sign this. I'll review the contracts. And right. I'd be commuting to Cottage Grove, he making sandwiches. He did you a big favor, let yeah, me say. Yeah, he did. And it really that really kind of hit a struck a chord in mm-hmm. me. 
And my husband and I just said, you know what, let's just go for it. I mean, So what was this vision? What was that restaurant that you were describing? Yeah, uh, a neighborhood place. Um, I know that when, when I lived in New York, I loved the fact that you could walk down the block and go into a cozy little like 20-seat restaurant, and it felt like home. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew your name. Uh, you knew what was on the menu. It, it felt like a second home. Mm-hmm. And I felt like at the time there wasn't a, a lot of those places, and I also knew I wanted to focus on something. And prior to the Jimmy John's, I was talking to my husband about how much I missed really great pizza. Uh, having lived in New York for seven years, I was spoiled by the fact that I could go down to the corner and get a slice. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, something like that needs to exist. But in this environment where it's warm, it's friendly, the staff feel like family, the guests feel like family. And I'm excited to wake up early and make dough mm-hmm. and make pizza and do it all over again. And, and so, so you never thought about an Asian restaurant no. about using any of the things you had learned from your mom? Um, it does pop up in the restaurants, mm-hmm. um, obviously, now. I, it wasn't something that I thought about, but I thought it'd be too complicated, too hard. Hmm. And so, again, that that voice, right, the fear. So fear could have led me down one road, which is to open up a Jimmy John's franchise. <laughs> and part of it, too, uh, you know, the idea of, like, what, what am I going to do? How I've never opened up a restaurant. How right. could I open up? like a multi-course, you know, multi-paged menu. And really it came down to the fact, like, let's just focus. And I thought about the way I like to eat and the kinds of foods I like to eat, which is actually really simple. Um, And it's about craft and something that I, I honestly believe that the simplest things are actually harder to make taste really good because mm-hmm. you really can't hide, right? It's it's all out there. And for me, it's like if you get the fundamentals of a really simple dish, like a really great pasta dish that maybe has five ingredients, but it's made lovingly and with care and the uh, process is understood. Um, and that's how I grew up eating because that's how my grandmother and mother cooked. They never had a recipe. Mm-hmm. They All the recipes that they've had had been handed down. They adjusted and tweaked based on touch, feel, and smell. And so... I really, that was the way I ate and cooked. And so I thought about, well, pizza is a craft, if you really think about it. Um, It's basically bread with toppings on it. But it's been, if you look at any... food tradition, cultural tradition, they have some kind of flat bread that you put something on, you roll up or you eat, right? Right. And to me, it was like this old age old tradition and it's in the form of pizza that everybody really loves. But what if I could take this dish that everybody really loves and um, found a way to um, elevate, to understand the craft and then make it my own? And that's when I thought, that's pizza. Had you ever made pizza? I mean, just like for your friends no. or at home, were you a pizza maker? And no. And how much time did you spend perfecting? Because your dough, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I'd not... also like to talk about your cauliflower. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> there are times where I just have to go to Pizzeria Lola just for the cauliflower. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's, it's the favorite. simple, humble cauliflower. And it's spicy. Of... Yeah. And it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, but so how long did you spend thinking about your dough? 
A lot. Yeah. Um, Once I determined that pizza was going to be what I was going to do and I really wanted to focus on it, uh, I got down to, well, what's the most important part that I felt like people didn't focus a lot on? And that was the dough. And so I tried to find books on pizza and I couldn't find much at the time 10 years ago. And so I started reading artisan bread baking books. And because really great pizza to me is really great bread, the crust, Mm -hmm. and it starts there. And then everything else is just using fresh, seasonal, really quality ingredients and seeking balance in those flavors. Mm -hmm. And so I read these books on um, really great bread, and I um, kind of worked on those recipes in the form of pizza, and I just practiced at home. And I'd invite friends, and I'd say, bring a plate and uh, take some home with you, or I'll just wrap some up, because I just wanted to practice. Because, mm-hmm. I again, I'd never done this before, but it was... You did not go to culinary school. No. You you never had any formal training. I mean, it all comes from your mom and yeah. your family. Yeah, and some intuition, Yeah, you know, and your gut, like they say, like your gut is another sense and Mm -hmm. you really should trust it. So for me, it was like I knew I always had a strong sense of taste. Um, And I, you know, my mother even said at a young age I could differentiate like when the recipes would change. And um, she she, so for me, it was like um, that uh, that was really strong Mm -hmm. um, and a part of my DNA. And so for me, it was just about understanding the fundamentals of really great bread and uh, using that uh, in my pizza dough. So while you were perfecting your pizza dough, Mm -hmm. were you also getting your branding and finding a space and all of that? I mean, were you kind of developing the business simultaneously or did you wait until you had the perfect pizza? Yeah. I mean, my husband and I worked on the business plan together. Um, He worked on the financial side. um, And I he basically said, well, tell me what you envision, because that's going to be our story, our narrative. And I just um, basically from there, we wrote Basically, we want a neighborhood place where everyone felt like they were part of um, a community and that the audience was diverse. It wasn't just the neighborhood. They came from all different parts. They were old, young. Um, People were celebrating birthdays and anniversaries, but they were also coming in to feed their family on a busy Friday night. Uh, I talked about what it smelled like the minute you came in. I felt uh, talked about how it should feel when you come in. And so, like, in my head and maybe it's because like I have a theatrical background mm-hmm. but it was like the set was like the scene was set in my head I envisioned it more like this is the story that when you people walk in this is what they see what and about so, the name uh so Pizzeria Lola is named after my dog Okay. So we were walking our dog. We lived about a mile away from Lola at the time. In South Minneapolis. Yeah, and we saw a Furley sign. It used to be a Kenny's Market or a Xerxes Market at mm-hmm. the time. And when we said, this is it, this is where we were going to put this place. And it felt, it just felt right. It felt like the neighborhood really uh, felt like there wasn't a lot to choose from in terms of a neighborhood dining place. And we said, this is where we're going to put the restaurant. Huh. Yeah. And does does your dog appreciate having the Oh, that's part of the reason why we named it. I mean, she loves people, she loves food, and she loves pizza. So, yeah. That's great. Okay, so so you opened—so it's 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. and it's an instant hit? 
Well, much. you know, I, as I remember yeah, it, it is. kind yes. of. Yeah. I mean, I think most people would say, you know, as a restaurant, it was pretty successful right off the bat, but mm-hmm. we had no idea. Did you, was there any, I'm curious because, I mean, our food scene is pretty strong here mm-hmm. and, and the, was there any, like, backlash or were you sort did you feel like an outsider because you didn't yeah. come you didn't really come from the restaurant yeah. world mm-hmm. did that work for you against you or did it not matter um i don't know that it mattered so much if anything it was really uh, my perspective i felt like um oh my gosh i don't know anything i'm coming into this really green i'm going to make all these mistakes but in many ways coming into this green actually helped us because instead of listening to what the rules of opening up a restaurant were where you put the seats, how you price uh, your menu, what you, you can and can't put on a pizza, those were all kind of thrown out the window, and we just kind of followed our guts and what we thought, well, what's missing from mm-hmm. the pizza landscape? What kind of food do I want to eat? And we just kind of did it. And so that kind of worked for us, and I think when you do that and you do something uh, that's a sort of against the grain, people are hungry for that. People are hungry for something new and different, and obviously it has to taste good. But originally, I um, when we got into into the field, there there were no expectations. So I feel like it's harder now because the expectations are so high. Like, what are you? What is she going to do next? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of pressure for, especially for a perfectionist like well, me. And that leads to my next question. I mean, did you when you opened Pizzeria Lola? Did you think this is going to be one of many, or I'm going to do different concepts? Or at what point did you mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm ready for the second thing? No, I had no idea that I was going to open up anything after that. I just. Honestly, I thought if I can, you know, pay my bills and have a job that I love um, waking up to every day and I feel fulfilled, this is it. And when I envisioned Pizzeria Lola, I thought 30 seats, I'm going to wake up every day, make dough, make the pizzas and do it all over again, that I was going to do that constantly. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's evolved and changed over the years. But 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 you did do that at first. Yes. Yes. Oh, very much so. And and did you and your husband, did you just kind of find the, the money to open? Did you mm-hmm. go out and get investors or a loan no, when you started? No, we, we don't have any investors. To this um, day? To no this investors. day, okay. yeah. And we're really proud of that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's not easy, definitely. And it was, again, it was during the recession, so banks were not loaning to it really anyone, but restaurants, they pretty much told them, no, absolutely not. And so basically we used some savings that we had. Um, thankfully, my parents raised me with um, a real good sense of, uh, you know, saving and, and for a rainy day. Um, but also a lot of bootstrapping. And because I had um, uh, uh, good credit. Mm-hmm. I had several credit cards that I just maxed out. And so did my husband. At the at a certain point, the credit card companies were like, what is going on? What <laughs> it was, are they yeah. Doing? yeah. But so a mixture of credit cards, savings, and a small loan that we got from the city of Minneapolis. It was $50,000 that we had to back, back up with a bank loan in the form of a CD. So it was technically wow. wasn't a loan, but because it was like maybe a 2% interest that uh, we went ahead and did that. So uh, we built out the restaurant really um, just scraping together and getting by. I mean, we made our own lights. Uh, you know, we thrifted and um, re. re- reused uh, furniture for the for the restaurant and most of the money went into our copper oven and everything else was really sort of being thrifty um, and resourceful. Hmm. How long after the opening of Pizzeria Lola did you open Hello Pizza? 
Uh, it was three years. Okay. Yeah. Started thinking about it in year two. Yeah. Uh, similar pizza, but different concept, counter service. Yes. Why did you want to do that? Originally, that's the kind of pizza I wanted to do. So I wanted to create sort of a New York's style slice shop because mm-hmm. that's what I was familiar with. It wasn't until actually I um, went to pizza school in San Francisco before opening up Lola. Um, that, so you did go to school uh, to, at yes, a certain point. I guess, okay. Yes, I guess I did go to school for a week. Um, and Tony Gemignani had a, has a restaurant in San Francisco and he had this beautiful wood-fired oven and I fell in love with it. And so that's how that shifted for Lola. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I still wanted to create a place where families could come and on a be an everyday restaurant. People would complain like, I can't bring my family here because my kids need to eat and I can't wait an hour to get a table at Lola. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to get the same quality type of food that could be delivered to you? They could come pick it up. They could grab a slice. After a ball game, kids could come and and celebrate uh, their wins or their losses. And so that's how that came to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great place. Um, and then comes Young Joni, mm-hmm. a true masterpiece. Oh, thanks. Do I mean so? Talk about how your vision evolved to get you to Young Joni, because that feels like you know elevated again. Yeah, you know that's a complicated one because I I don't think I really knew what the concept was going to be until we were actually in the middle of building it out. Um, and I don't recommend going about <laughs> it in this way. I think we're a lot more thoughtful about it. But luckily. It it all worked out. Yeah. Um, it really came from the point where it's like, well, do we want to continue growing or do we want to stop? And we said, well, we want to continue growing with the leadership that we have. And um, we felt like we had the creativity and the drive and the energy and we could make it happen. So do you when you say leadership, who is that besides you and your husband? Yeah. Do you have a core team? We or? do now. Okay. We didn't back then. And it was really stressful. And uh after opening up Pizzeria Lola and opening up Hello Pizza, that really um, that was a turning point for us. I was I was kind of unhappy because it was rather than working on the business, I was still working in the business, and it's really complicated to sustain. Yeah, and so you that can't make all the pizzas. Yes, you <laughs> cannot. You definitely cannot make all the pizzas. And so at that point, we actually reached out. Um, to a facilitator, um, and his name is Patrick O'Brien, who has a small company called Growing Edge, and he kind of assessed where we were in, in, in our organization and said, you know, what the issue is, is you just need more help. You need more leaders. And so he, he identified within our organization people that could help us on our level in terms of operations, in terms of human resources. And so now we have a core team, which we call Vestalia Hospitality. We have seven full-time uh, staff members um, that's part of the team that help us to uh, be a resource for all the restaurants. And we kind of invested ahead knowing that if we're going to grow and open up a third restaurant that this is what we need to do like why did you want to keep opening does it i mean you just kind of get like because i'm crazy i don't know (laughs) no but i mean is there sort of like an adrenaline rush that comes with like a successful restaurant they're like we can do it again and again i mean i've I've talked to to restaurateurs who you know for some the fun is concepting Mm -hmm. but they that's really their favorite part not the running of the actual restaurant What, what is it for you yeah i mean i think for me it is the idea of creation 
I love that part, like coming up with um, ideas. I've got a million ideas in my head. And, and that's why we invested ahead with this team, because obviously you can't, you can't take all these ideas and turn them into restaurants unless you have the infrastructure and the support. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just love the idea of um, creating things and, and coming up with um, – uh, an environment in which people can eat uh, that makes them feel good and and special. And so for me, that's the part that drives me, like creation and coming up with an idea. And oftentimes it comes from a delicious meal that I've had that I wanted to um, recreate or recreate that experience or just in my head thinking, you know, this would be really great if we had this kind of environment eating this kind of food. And why isn't it happening? And that kind of sparks the idea of, well, mm-hmm. if no one else is going to do it, then I'm going to certainly try. What, to me, what's so magical about Young Joni in northeast Minneapolis is the, I mean, the the setting is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're going on a night out, but it isn't, but it's still affordable, which yeah. is nice. Yes. It isn't, you know, and, and it's like filling. It isn't like you're paying a million dollars for two <laughs> peas, you know, or I something. hope not. You've still got the pizza, but it seems like this gets more at your roots yeah. and some of the things that you grew up eating yeah. or some of your favorite dishes. It's it's Young Joni really does represent my palate and um, the kind of the way that I grew up eating. Um, the flavors are bold. Uh, they're they they don't hide. They're um, uh, really simple, rustic cuisine. And we still have pizza, which people do come for. But I think um, what they've come to realize is that they can make a complete meal without pizza. Mm -hmm. And the idea that everything is meant to be shared. Um, So you could come in and have a whole grilled fish and a bunch of vegetable sides from the oven and then also share a pizza. And it all seems to fit, right? It all seems to work. People ask me early on, a lot of journalists, well, what what kind of restaurant is it? And it was really difficult to try and explain. I couldn't. And I, I ultimately said, well, there'll be some Korean influence and there'll also be pizza and there, you know, might be some, um, you know, Southeast Asian and 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 people just didn't couldn't wrap their heads around what they it was. They want, a, they want a word. They yeah. want a label like this is fusion. Yeah. They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, please don't say fusion, because really, if you cook or eat in the United States, I mean, it's it's it's. It's very diverse. Mm -hmm. You know, the people are diverse. How we eat is diverse. And I think it's being represented in a lot of restaurants today. And for me, when you come to eat at Young Joni, you really kind of see my heart and my soul. You know, it wasn't unusual for me growing up as a kid to have a dinner table that had a bucket of KFC and biscuits with kimchi and a side of rice. And so for me to have like Korean short ribs with three choices of kimchi and a pepperoni pizza and cauliflower <laughs> is not foreign. It's totally it's, it's, normal. Yeah, totally normal. Okay. Yeah. So and now you're working on a fourth concept, mm-hmm. which is really going to be a departure for you. No yeah. pizza this time. Yeah. You're taking Taking on a very a legendary space, mm-hmm. um, Lucia's yeah. in Uptown. How did that come about, and what are you going to do there? 
Yeah. So, like I said, we invested ahead in terms of creating infrastructure. Um, we have three people in our human resources department, and we said, well, we've we, these restaurants are about people. And once we developed that and felt good about that, we said, okay, now we're ready to to kind of look some more. And really, what I wanted to do was based on a trip. Uh, my husband and I took a few trips to Mexico usually in the wintertime, to get away from the cold. And we really fell in love with the food and the people. And the first time I had a handmade tortilla made from scratch, from real corn, ground, um, I, I literally almost cried. It was like, <laughs> I, I mean, why can't I have this more often? Yeah. You know, why isn't this being done? And I really said to myself, I said, I feel like I need to figure this out. And I feel like the good people of Minnesota need to also like be able to experience this. Much like what I what I did, you know, when I thought about opening up Pizzeria Lola is like, why aren't people eating this kind of pizza on this kind of crust? Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know, people again have asked, oh, you're opening up a taqueria or a Mexican restaurant. It's really, I, I don't want to put that label on it because I'm actually not quite sure how it's going to evolve. What I do know for certain is I'm going to try damn hard to make the best tortilla possible. And so I'm doing a lot of research right now um, on that and, and, and how to make a really great, um, the crap trying to figure out the craft of tortilla making. And then from there, we'll see, like, whatever tastes good on or with a tortilla is what's going to happen. And that... So do you make up the whole menu? Do you have people I am right now, now who... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's the fun part for me is creating the menu, doing the R&D, um, coming up with recipes. Um, obviously, I'll have a really strong team to help and support, um, but... It, for all the restaurants up until this point, um, that, yeah, that was a, that's been a big part of my job. So you, I mean, you have just gone back to the drawing board each time. I mm-hmm. mean, and and really kind of come up with something new and different. Do you think at all about you know a second or third or fourth Hello Pizza or Pizzeria Lola? Would you ever replicate the concepts you've already created? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'd never say never, but right now we like the idea that we build different restaurants because I do think it is there are many people that do it really well and I think it is hard to do because people have a certain expectation but for me the fun comes from the creation and all of our restaurants are from the same family we share the same DNA but they're all like siblings they're all just a little bit different and Mm -hmm. I like that and I think if we were to build another Lola somewhere else people have asked why don't you come to St. Paul or come out to Wyzetta and it's tempting because it's like well in many ways it's easier to recreate something but in another way it's like it I feel like um, people are always going to be comparing to the original or it's not like this or it's not that and there's something really special about each restaurant that I I kind of want to preserve at this point. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm still really excited about the creation part. Don't get me wrong. it's There's a lot of nervousness that goes into it, especially now that I'm branching out of my wheelhouse of pizza. Yeah. It really tests my comfort zone because I honestly have no idea, like, like, where do I start? And so, again, it just comes from focus on the craft, focus on the process and the tradition. And once I feel good about that, then I can put my twist on it. You know, then I can take that unique spin. 
so while you're kind of heads down working on your perfect tortilla, are you or are other members of your team already thinking about the next thing beyond that? Or do you just sort of put all the resources into what you have and the thing you're creating? Right, right now, now, we're just focused on this. I mean, we do get probably a handful of calls uh, every week like, hey, we've got this space and that. And oh, really? it's it's flattering. But um, I already feel like, you know, to have open three restaurants, working on four in less than 10 years is is a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, we also know our limitations and we're as limited as the people that we have. And, uh, you know, it's hard in this in, in any industry to get good people. But in the restaurant business, it's even harder. So right now it's really about focusing, looking at the staff and seeing how um, their good work and where we can promote them, where we need to look outside and bring more people into it. But right now it's really focused focused on making sure the existing restaurants are successful, that the staff and the teams feel like they have what they need to really live a sustain, like to be, to have work-life balance, to, that this profession is sustainable for them. And, um, focusing on the new restaurant. From a business sense, um, and maybe this is, I'm sure you discussed this with your husband, but do you have to keep building to, to I mean, do you have to keep growing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At a certain point, like, could, can you say this is enough or do you just sort of, is it no. in your DNA or from financially? Do you feel like you, you know, yeah. to support I mean, the team? Yes. No, I'm very grateful and very lucky to to be where I'm at. So, no, I definitely don't need to, we don't need to keep growing. But uh, like I said earlier, I think it's fun for us. And as long as we continue having fun and we're enjoying it, why not? Mm-hmm. Right. I, 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 Retirement is not something that in my vocabulary. I don't ever want to retire. I want to keep doing what I'm, I mean, it's going to evolve and change. Um, Obviously, uh, it's my work has changed since I started with Pizzeria Lola, but I don't ever want to stop creating or engaging because that's what brings meaning to my life, Mm -hmm. Uh, that connection with people. And in the hospitality industry, you can't help but do that. But for me, that's the excitement. Every day is different. And that's why you live. Right. Right. You were nominated for a James Beard. Yeah. Congratulations. That's Thank a pretty you. huge honor. Thank that's you so much. The, that's the Academy Awards <laughs> of the food industry. <laughs> Did, was that like a pinch me moment? Like, wow, yeah. I've really arrived. Yeah. And honestly, uh, you know, if you would have told me that 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 would have happened 10 years ago, I would have probably like laughed in your face. Mm-hmm. It Honestly, and even up until a year, you know, before this happened, it never was even something I even dreamed about because it wasn't something that I ever thought was possible. And when it did, it was just, it was tremendously emotional. At first I was shocked. I had to, I, I was listening to it as I was making breakfast to the announcements of the, the final nominees. And I think my name was the last one to be uh, named off. And, and I, and I had to like listen twice. I had to like, <laughs> was that really my name? Are, are, are we sure about this? And, uh, it was, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was great. Did it did yeah. did it lead to more phone calls and more yes. requests? And this and... is how supportive this industry is. It's um it's a it's a tight community, and I know a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, we have supportive uh you know restaurant communities," but I really do feel like this restaurant community is very tight and very supportive of each other. Uh, we all, I, I believe, at least um, 
this is how I feel, is that we, we all do better if we all do better. Mm-hmm. You know, that we want to put Minneapolis-St. Paul on the map in terms of, like, being a really legitimate, awesome um, culinary city. Yeah. And, and I think we're doing that. And so as soon as that announcement came, like, um, my colleagues and I like to call my friends m- – multiple texts and phone calls and yeah it was um it was really heartwarming that's nice to hear yeah um one last question for you you talked about working on your business mm-hmm. rather than in your business yeah. which is a really important mm-hmm. distinction and probably very hard to do yeah. do you feel like you're doing that and and what's the secret yeah. Oh, I don't know what the secret is. I'm I'm always working on it. I'm not going to lie. It's a challenge uh, when I had to actually step out of the kitchen for the first time because I'm a recovering perfectionist <laughs> that it was really hard, you know, because I, I really liked knowing what was going on and having my hands in everything. And, and it was but that can also be really um, limiting as you grow that the key to our success, I really do believe, is collaboration and empowerment um, of the teams and making them feel like they have ownership and they have agency. I told you earlier that the reason why I got out of the theater business was because I felt like I had no, little to no agency in decision making or that my, you know, the things that I would do would make an impact. And I don't want my teams to feel that way. So Mm -hmm. now it's my responsibility to say, hey, This restaurant, this organization was not a singular achievement by any means. All of you had an integral part in creating this wonderful thing that we have. And I want them – I don't want to just talk the talk. I want them to really understand that. So we're working really hard right now on really supporting culture and making sure that they believe and embrace that we're a collaborative culture and um, we embrace creativity and curiosity um, and that we listen and that your voices are heard and that if they have a good idea, this could be a next restaurant. If they work hard, we'll see that. And you could be, you know, the next executive chef for the next restaurant. And that, for me, is the exciting part. Um, So creation is not just about creating a dish or a new pizza pie. To me, the creativity comes from how can you take an organization and grow it and grow it in a sustainable way. So that's, well, I think you're doing yeah. a bang up job. Thank you. Thank you, Ann Kim, for being here today. Don't go away. Next, we're going back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas. And now back to the classroom with our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. So how do you scale a business when it's so closely connected to its founder? Let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Associate Professor Alec Johnson teaches entrepreneurship. Professor, so many entrepreneurs start out working on their idea all by themselves. They are the idea and it's often very personal. So how do you start, how do you retain that authenticity while scaling? Basically, how do you work on the business, not in the business as you get bigger? Right. So I I have some maybe good news or bad news for Anne. She's very normal. Okay. Yes. I'm sure she'll appreciate that. Very normal. And so the challenge uh, for for all these entrepreneurs and small business owners is making first the decision to grow. And I found it really interesting that Anne did quite quite early in her journey 
with entrepreneurship and others don't make that choice and it is foisted upon them without planning for it. Mm -hmm. So for those entrepreneurs, that typically results in chaos. Now with Anne, she, she very early on, I I think she sought uh, some advice from a business advisor uh, and that advice was really, really good. And, and it was, and, and Anne mentions it, learning how to transition from making pizzas to building a business. Uh, and I've done uh, a lot of my early re- research was on this very issue with small businesses. And what's your what's your big takeaway, if it's possible to summarize years of research yeah, in a couple is. of minutes? Um, it, the big takeaway is, well, here's what we know. We know that there are three archetypes of entrepreneurs who start these small businesses. And they have different names. For example, uh, a market-centered entrepreneur, a product-centered, and then an administrative-centered. And that sounds like a really dirty word because most entrepreneurs sort of loathe the idea of big corporation administrative qualities. Right. They're visionaries. They're visionaries. And the truth is most of the small businesses in our economy are what we call product-centered. The founder is involved into the day-to-day production of the good or service or product or whatever they're doing. And in Anne's case, it would be pizzas, Mm -hmm. making pizzas and working in the kitchen. And that's truly where most small business owners live, is in that product-centered type of business. And they generally are sort of happy with the status quo. Now, Anne, driven like so many entrepreneurs just to create, she's a creator. Mm Mm-hmm. She doesn't know how. It was very clear to me listening to her part of the interview that she doesn't know how to not create right now. And that's a beautiful thing. But to grow in a sensible way, in an economically viable way, you need policies, procedures, systems. And a lot of those are truly around just hiring and sometimes firing employees Mm -hmm. and building the right employee group to manage properly. And then then when you do that, you have you have steady managed growth. Okay. So you got to get practical at some point even when you're a visionary. You have to look a little corporate even right. when you're not small business owner. Okay. Well, good advice. Thanks Professor Johnson and thanks to our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. I can't believe it, but this wraps up our first season of By All Means. If you haven't heard all 8 episodes, go back now, take a listen. You can go to tcbmag.com/byallmeans to get all of the episode information. If you've enjoyed the show, we'd greatly appreciate a positive review and please subscribe so you'll know when season two is ready to launch. I'm Allison Kaplan and on behalf of Twin Cities Business, thanks for listening to By All Means. Thanks to Brad Jacobson, John Sullivan, and Tom Forlitti from St. Thomas, as well as Sam Schaust and Ricky Hannigan from Twin Cities Business for helping to produce and engineer our show. Our theme music is by Songfinch. Thanks also to Senior Media Relations Manager Vanita Sakar and Associate Dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship Laura Dunham for helping us to make this happen. Hope you enjoyed, by all means. Bye.